0: They not be, may not be able to build enough chips to meet the demand right now. And there's some question, how long, a lot of stocks floated up with that good news that are in, in the AI business or getting into the AI business. But there's been some warnings that, you know, it may take a while for all of this success in NVIDIA and the chip production to disseminate out into the world of its customers and if how long it will take them to design stuff in. And I think everybody's watching Microsoft right now, whether how long it will take Microsoft to incorporate AI into all of its products. And that seems to be the bellwether right now, how quickly the AI revolution will get to the rest of us.
1: Right, because Microsoft is a company that through its search engine Bing and all of the Office products touches a lot of consumers. I would say Meta is the same way, certainly Apple. Um, and you're starting to see these companies really trying to get AI to the masses uh, in a way where it might even help their bottom line. But so far, only NVIDIA has really been able to come, you know, the quarterly earning reports say, hey, we're selling a ton of product and making a ton of profit because the demand for AI is so high. And NVIDIA is a company that sort of indirectly touches the consumer uh, through its chips and chipsets and you know, gaming and all that. But the actual companies that we interact with online all the time are still, I think, trying to figure out how to A, get it to us in a recognizable way and B, somehow monetize it. Hi,
0: everyone, and welcome to the Friday, August 25th installment of the Silicon Insider, the un- only uncensored look at life and business in Silicon Valley. My name's Mike Malone. And I'm here with special contributor Scott Budman of NBC Bay Area. Our producer is Jordan Henderson. Our East Coast correspondent is Bob Grove. And our host is the Silicon Valley Business Journal. Okay, um, we've got to talk about NVIDIA. I mean, NVIDIA is the story of the week. They come out with what their second quarter earnings. This is a company that crossed a trillion dollars a couple months ago. Their stock has been going so fast, they're the fastest growing stock this year on the Standard & Poor's 500. And now they announce revenues are up over 100%. This is, this is kind of mind-boggling. I'm not sure I've ever seen something like this. I mean, I've seen fad stocks, but this is an order of magnitude better than anything I think I've seen in a long, long time. I mean, this is a company that has cornered the hottest market in electronics and they don't seem to have any immediate competitors. I mean, they could stay in this position for a couple of years.
1: Yeah, I agree. They have such a lead, not only in AI, which is really the dominant thing right now, but just in chips that are going into mobile and cars and all these different things that for some reason... A lot of the big, more legacy chip makers have really just missed the boat on. And NVIDIA has been taking off. And a lot of eyes were on this earning report. Remember, this is a stock that has gone from about 120 to 500 in a year. And that's already after having, I think they had a five-for-one split last year. This is already a trillion-dollar company, and they're just on fire. And then they came out with earnings, and all they could say was, Wow, we've got to make more of these chipsets because everybody is so hot, uh, hungry for AI right now.
0: And apparently, their profits just for the quarter were greater than their total profits last year. And last year they had a hell of a year. <laughs> I mean, and to think think about how much lead they have, I you really have to go back to the late '70s and Intel. When it had the microprocessor and TI and tried to compete and fell behind. and Intel had a you know open field for four or five years and just ended up becoming the most valuable company in America and you know, incredible growth and, and all of that. And Nvidia seems to be accomplishing the same thing, and they've earned it. I mean, they've spent how many years developing this these AI chips? Five, maybe more. Well, nobody else thought that it was going to happen anytime soon and and didn't rush into their own development.
1: Right. You have to give them credit. They've been on the front lines of what's hot for years now. Give credit to their CEO, Jensen Wong, and the whole team. But you also wonder, what were the other chip makers thinking as AI was becoming a force? And why didn't they get to where NVIDIA is now? And anyway... The bottom line is, Nvidia is killing it. Investors are getting rewarded. Their bottom line is very strong, and like you said, it's it's hard to calculate just how far ahead they have become.
0: Well, I think the traders out there are starting to calculate it, and they're they're bailing out of people that have you know strong positions in Intel and AMD. They they're bailing out, you know, because there's a feeling that. Not only will NVIDIA dominate this market for years to come, but there could be another stock rally. I mean, there's talk of NVIDIA after this amazing rally it's had, it had last year, then just a few weeks ago, that the stock may be on another rally again, which is mind boggling.
1: Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, after hours, after the earning report came in, the stock went up about $30, $35. It lost all of that during the actual trading day on Thursday. But this is still a stock, you know, pretty comfortably above a trillion dollars right now. And again, flirting with $500 a share, it's just, it's it's no wonder some people want to take some profit. This thing has just been on yeah. such a ride. But even more importantly than just the stock price is how it's gotten there with such a strong position after really it's, you know, it spent quite a bit of time Literally and figuratively in the shadows, there in Santa Clara of Intel. Now it's got its own gigantic headquarters. Its market valuation puts all the other chip makers to shame. You know, you see ARM has now filed for an IPO. Chip is, chips are hot again, and Nvidia is really the lead reason why.
0: Well, let's go. Let's talk about ARM for a couple of seconds. It's filed for an IPO, but it's announced that it lost money last quarter, which is a weird time to be going public. I mean, it's a weird company anyway because it's a chip design company in Great Britain, owned by SoftBank, you know, a Chinese company and its biggest market is the US. And they basically created the smartphone revolution with their chips, okay? Now they're saying that the smartphone phone business is down. And that's why even though it's pretty hard to turn away from an IPO. Once you file, you know, the paperwork and all that and go out on the road show, you really it's, unless the economy collapses like it did, you know, in in, in the late seventies, you go public. And no matter you gonna you gotta ride you gotta finish riding that horse in. And now arms are the bad position of saying, Yeah, we're we're not really profitable, we're losing money and all that, but we're still gonna go public, even though our market looks like it's going into some kind of recession too bad position to be in just the opposite position (laughs) that nvidia is in um we can talk about arm a little bit more but i want to get back to nvidia because it's it's the impact of its good news has set all the obviously all the chip companies scrambling but this good news also suggests They may not be able to build enough chips to meet the demand right now. And there's some question, how long, a lot of stocks floated up with that good news that are in in the AI business or getting into the AI business. But there's been some warnings that, you know, it may take a while for all of this success and NVIDIA and the chip production to disseminate out into the world of its customers And if how long it'll take them to design stuff in. And I think everybody's watching Microsoft right now, whether how long it will take Microsoft to incorporate AI into all of its products. And that seems to be the bellwether right now, how quickly the AI revolution will get to the rest of us.
1: Right, because Microsoft is a company that through its search engine Bing and all of the Office products touches a lot of consumers. I would say Meta is the same way, certainly Apple. Um, And you're starting to see these companies really trying to get AI to the masses uh, in a way where it might even help their bottom line. But so far, only NVIDIA has really been able to come, you know, the quarterly earning reports say, hey, we're selling a ton of product and making a ton of profit because the demand for AI is so high. And NVIDIA is a company that sort of indirectly touches the consumer uh through its chips and chipsets and you know gaming and all that. But the actual companies that we interact with online all the time are still, I think, trying to figure out how to A, get it to us in a recognizable way and B, somehow monetize it.
0: Now the the terror of I of AI seems to be growing uh because of all this good news. And I I talked to this uh this scientist, an AI expert, who started a number of successful companies. And he pointed out that every time you hear a company talk about improving efficiency with AI, that's a code word for layoffs. We'll get rid of the human overhead. And that seems to be pervasive right now. This will make us more efficient as a company, having AI tools and all that, which means cutting down all their other expenses, you know, handing it over to the boxes. He had an interesting piece of good news. He, he works for a company called Mach 49, which is a uh, company that consults big corporations on internal ventures. He took some AI tools because he's a entrepreneur and has started companies. He asked an AI program to come up with a dozen or more interesting, viable new company ideas. And the first day, the, the, the system spent 10 hours working on it. For the next 30 days, it only spent an hour each day. When it got done, it had found 12, I think it was 12 or 14, pretty interesting new business ideas had developed the business plans. He took it and narrowed it down to four likely ones and had to keep going to, to look at marketing and all that. Narrowed it down to one winner and he sold the idea within a few days after that because it was so viable. And he said, we keep talking about AI as a destructive force and damaging you know, lives and careers. And the papers just had a story that 10 million Americans may have to be retrained because of AI. And he said, yeah, but what if it starts helping us create thousands of viable and useful and successful new companies every year how many people are they going to employ? So that was the first good thing I have heard about AI, you know, since all this started. I mean, it's good for NVIDIA, but it seemed like it was bad for the rest of us. Now, maybe there's some light, in you know, in there.
1: Yeah, I would say that's often what we see with new technology. New technology often takes over tasks that workers do, and everyone gets very fearful, whether it's robots or efficient software, CRM, remember... All of those things were just going to eliminate millions of jobs. But then people realized they were starting new companies, which created new jobs. AI is already uh, being given credit for helping downtown San Francisco come back because it is kind of a center of AI. A lot of startups are taking VC money and hiring people with it. So I think the job creation aspect, as it is for many new technologies, is there. Uh, The question is, will it create more jobs than... The efficient part of AI will eliminate, and and that we just don't know.
0: Yeah, you know, and maybe it's a wash. Maybe we end up uh, winners on the whole deal. Well, let me ask you a theoretical question. Normally, don't ask reporters theoretical questions. Where does Nvidia go from here? Now they're 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 they're, they're a gigantic cash machine right now. They have tremendous value. They're going to have enormous amounts of money on hand. Traditionally, chip companies, when they get real successful and demand goes through the roof, they start second sourcing. Now, the 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 rise of silicon foundries kind of mitigated that. You don't have like Intel gave away the keys to the keys to the kingdom to AMD. It, you know, and that was Bob Noyce giving it to Jerry Sanders, which Andy Grove thought was the worst thing that had ever happened because AMD, as you know, is now a very successful competitor. Does NVIDIA find another company out there and say, you can second source our AI chips because we can't keep up fast enough? Or do they go to Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Company and say, start building our chips you know, in abundance in every one of your places? What do you do when demand is this big and this
1: fast? I mean, the short answer is one or both of what you said. And NVIDIA sort of hinted at potentially each of those. We don't really know what they'll do, but they did say, hey, we have to fill this demand. And I think what they were saying at the same time is that what we are doing is so popular, we have to figure out ways to Satisfy our customers. That's a pretty good dilemma to be in. For That's a, a real
0: good position to be in, yeah.
1: Right, but what they were also saying in sort of a veiled way was, "Hey, companies that for decades were far bigger than us, why aren't you in the game? Why is it all on our shoulders?" And you know, they're really well padded shoulders now, wearing some nice suits. But um, you know, it, it is surprising that Nvidia is, when it comes to AI and the chip world, seen as pretty much the only game in town. And it's good for them. It's good for their shareholders. They will have to build out, hire more people, build more chips. But it's still surprising that uh, the other guys have not come close to catching up.
0: Yeah. uh, AMD surprises me because they've been on top of the game pretty much the last few years. And where were they? Intel's got a lot of other distractions, but they're the inventors of the microprocessor. You know, they're the guardians of Moore's law. They should have seen this one coming early. And it's going to be, it's going to be interesting if, if NVIDIA can't supply the demand out there from all these big companies, what those big companies do. You know, do they go, they go offshore with other companies? Do they go down to, you know, Broadcom and give them a huge sum of money and say, get into the business? I know Google's moving fast. They've got to be, you know, Google a, is, a, is a software play. It's an app play, right? And you got to, and this is a hardware play. And I, I, I got to wonder if any of these big companies are going to go in the hardware business. You know, that, it's hard to believe they would. That's always been a disaster. But where else do they go?
1: Well, right. We've seen Apple make its own chips. I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if some of these companies get into it because they want their AI technology to be sort of soup to nuts, which Apple is trying to do with with some of its products. Uh, so again, if AI stays as hot and as lucrative as it has been for the last year, I wouldn't be surprised if everybody tries to get in and take advantage of what, again, only NVIDIA has really been able to do so far.
0: Don't you sense it's becoming unbelievably white hot? I mean- I heard about ChatGPT a month or two ago, and people f- trying it out. Now all of a sudden, people are sending me things that were written on ChatGPT. The schools, because I'm on the mailing list for Santa Clara University, they t- you know there's all these educational operations saying rules for this fall, uh, suggested rules for this fall on schools with ChatGPT. I mean, it's become overnight ubiquitous.
1: Yeah, I get probably 25 pitches a day from companies talking about AI. Some new AI startups, others just trying to say, hey, we use artificial intelligence or machine learning. I-, I think it will eventually separate the wheat from the chaff. This is similar, I think, to the dot-com boom, where everything was whatever it was, dot-com. And some really didn't back yeah. that up, <laughs> to, to be gentle, but to be thoughtful about it. But I think that's what we're going to see here. Some are genuine AI plays, others are trying to just sort of dot AI their name and and get some of that attention. But uh, are they really using machine learning to improve their product or are they just throwing something at the wall right now and seeing what might stick?
0: Well, as long as we're on that, I was going to finish with this, but let's do it now. Uh, The question is how do you monetize the source material for ChatGPT? it's like a lot of things where you can build an entire industry off of what is currently freeware but all of a sudden the freeware people look around and go how come they're making so much money off of our creations time to start paying royalties i mean that's what happened obviously with recorded music uh and downloads well youtube apparently is a recruiting artists right now just a handful of them as test cases across across the spectrum so they have Yogatti, the rapper. They have Roseanne Cash, country western slash rock, and the estate of Frank Sinatra. And they're they're negotiating with them and experimenting, because if your AI tool reaches out and grabs a piece of a Sinatra song and incorporates it into something that it's creating for you. Frank Sinatra's, you know, uh, Nancy and the Descendants deserve some money for that, okay. But how do you how do you measure that? How do you compensate for that? So I think they're looking ahead to the next step. The next step is how do you turn the content into not only money, but where how is the money distributed legally, and start setting precedents right now
1: right i mean the sampling industry has been around for a long time it's been lucrative for many of those who have songs that people put in their songs they say hey you got to pay for that Um, there's an entire industry built up around that also youtube really knows because it learned the hard way about how things get monetized when they're just put out there for free with all those videos and, and everything like that that youtube was that youtube users were taking and posting and all of a sudden, studios, not to mention you know individuals, were saying, hey, wait a minute, that's mine. I'm owed money. Thank you very much. So I think, again, we are in a cycle of AI that we've seen before, not just in the hype, but in the licensing uh, capability of it all. And I think you're right. I think that's going to, once again, be something people are really looking at closely because of music, because of uh, paintings, drawings, You know, the Sarah Silverman already talking about some of the jokes she's written being used, and and all of this is going to end up keeping lawyers very busy, Uh, and it would behoove companies to um, figure out at least a little bit of it before they just say, hey, look, we've got the whole world that we're scraping with our AI bots.
0: Yeah, I mean, literally everything becomes grist for the mill of uh, AI. It'll snatch anything from anywhere Every library in the world, every image, uh, every bit of history, all of that. So it's going to be a lot of check writing, I think, in the near future. I you know, mean. I wonder. I wonder if it'll constrain AI from its full capability if that becomes a, a real legal challenge and and just a, a just a huge can of worms in terms of royalty to everybody.
1: Well, I would say it should constrain AI because these people should get paid. If you've done something, um, whether on a giant scale like Yogatti or just something that you've written and published, um, or, or a piece of art. Well, uh... oh, let's go farther, Scott. Take
0: one of your uh, news broadcasts that you did last week, and it draws from that. Are you going to know? Unless somebody points it out to you, are you going to know that it took it took your words from covering the you know, the, the the side on the on the Twitter building and uses it in, the, in something it creates?
1: No, uh, short answer is no. And that's hard to do. And I work for a pretty major broadcast corporation, but it is hard to keep track of that. And, and by the way, there are lawyers that do try to track that stuff down. Um, but it's it's a tough thing, even for a, a big corporation, like I was saying, not to mention the individual artist whose painting is now used to make someone, you know, look like a, astronaut or something um and and i think we're stepping into this and we're gonna jump in pretty soon and like i said a lot of these ai companies especially the well-funded ones don't lose your money in lawsuits like that figure it out first um and then and, and youtube is the perfect example of a company that should be leading this because they had to figure it out in the hardest way possible which is by writing a lot of checks
0: you know the irony is we'll probably use ai to spot how our stuff is being used by AI?
1: I can see that. Yes.
0: <laughs> okay. Uh, just some minor things. Uh, the SEC has set new rules on how uh, private funds like Blackstone and Citadel can deal with their big investors. They've been offering sweetheart deals to the big investors and leaving the smaller investors like pension funds and uh, college, you know, uh, f- fundraising uh, in behind. And now. The SEC is saying no, you got to be equivalent to everybody. You got to be fair. I didn't realize how much money is now in hedge funds and uh, and other private funds. Thirty five trillion dollars. That's a lot of that's a lot of benjamins. Uh, it, it, now you understand how Blackstone could be buying up every home in America. Uh, this this should be interesting. Uh, if they have to, if they can't do sweetheart deals, these guys are really smart and they're really shrewd and they're not the most moral people on the earth, how they will get around us.
1: They'll find a way, but you know, the SEC is trying to track down, has been trying to crack down on these guys for a long time, but they have always And,
0: been... and the guys win. Right. They, they haven't been real good at getting, any, getting anything on them. So.
1: Money attracts money. What can you say?
0: Okay, now, we have a little bit of time left. There's two things I want to talk about. Uh, the first one is apparently startup money, startup venture money is drying up in Europe. I mean, it's, VC money is depressed around here, but apparently in Europe, it's almost impossible now to even get seed money. And part of this is historic. I mean, there's a cultural difference between the United States, the risk taking model, of the United States and the careful uh, growth model that characterizes Europe. And it's also a cultural thing that entrepreneurs are sort of seen as shopkeepers. You know, if if you're important, you work for a big giant corporation. You're not in a startup working out of a garage, just the opposite here. However, you know, I spent 15 years flying back and forth to Oxford University, meeting with entrepreneurs and all that. The one thing they could depend upon was early, early round money to get started. And their business plan was always, we'll get started here and then we'll move to California and get the big venture money. Well, apparently Europe has become even more anti-startup, that they're, they're even more conservative than ever before. And the irony is, of course, some of those companies in America that got that early money and the VC money now they're trying to restrain them for being successful, instead of having grown their own. I mean, all these new rules in England and the and the EU about you know trying to stop Apple and trying to stop Google and trying to stop uh, Facebook and the rest, Twitter. Apparently, for the next generation now, Europe is not going to be able to start any really interesting new companies and. I just wanted to mention that because it 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 ultimately ends up in politics. We will be hearing about, you know, why why Europe can't compete, why Europe's turning into a giant theme park, you know, and we gotta stop these Americans from their aggressive behavior.
1: I don't know. I think the what's going on in the EU is a reaction to the uh, aggressive American behavior, but there will, I wouldn't be surprised, be a reaction to the big slowdown and not allowing all that venture funding and stuff. And so I think these things do go in cycles. The EU is different than us. It has been for a long time, but um, you're right. If they start to lose some of their um, really hotshot companies and startup people like India did some years ago, they will loose it up and then they will have what what India did, which was a much more open culture and a lot of hotshot tech companies themselves.
0: Well, we'll see. I suspect it's going to, knowing the knowing the Europeans is going to take a little while for them to come around to it. Finally, we lost a Silicon Valley pioneer this week, John Warnock. I think he was the he was the quietest and most low key and and humblest Valley uh, giant that we've ever known. You know, we we talk about Gordon Moore being you know low ego, but John Warnock, I met him a few times. Um, he, every, you know, we talk about the microprocessor, we talk about the personal computer, but what Adobe did has affected every single one of us multiple times a day. And this was a man who loved imagery. And uh, he had one of the best private collections of uh, memorable and, and antique books and bindings, and uh, illustrations and all of that in the, in the country. And he was he didn't really talk about it much, but he built a tremendous company that has had a profound effect on San Jose in terms of employment and facilities and all that. But has really changed the world as much as anybody in the history of technology. And I just want to you know say a few nice words for him because he was a great guy.
1: Absolutely, well well deserved. Well said.
0: Okay, that's it for now, folks. You can find us on the Silicon Valley Business Journal homepage, as well as on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye.